Hello and welcome to Setting Skeen. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to solve a murder. There has okay. been a murder, and you are a suspect. Okay, I'm just. You gonna are say all this. suspects. I'm just. I'm just gonna say this. Ben said that he had something <laughs> planned for the opening of this podcast, and he said, "I need y'all to not react to it." Never in my wildest dreams did I think it was going to be that, and I am. I don't even know what I am. I decided I was going to do that about like 10 minutes into the movie. You know what, Ben? I am so shocked that I'm going to move to another state. That's how shocked I am. Doug, you're way behind. We've we've been talking about you moving the last couple of weeks. I know. I know. I've listened. I've I've listened to the episodes. I'm a frequent listener. Also, hi, listeners. I'm happy to be back. Doug's back. But uh, Tristan is not here. Uh, He's actually the um suspect in the murder case that we are conducting um he's currently he has some he has some questionable alibi about being at a rolling stones concert Mm -hmm. but i personally don't think that'll hold water i don't don't believe in the rolling stones (laughs) the rolling stones are an urban myth obviously stones don't false the rolling stones is a false religion (laughs) (laughs) um yes instead we have the lovely Brandon Revis here to um, guest. Hey, it's Brandon. What's up? Shout Thank out to that. my boys, the Dutch. Ah, uh, yes, we we do love the Dutch. Yeah, Brandon, um, how you doing? Got a got a big good. old wedding coming up, don't you? Yeah, yeah, a big old wedding. It's gonna be awesome. Right. Doug's gonna hey. be in it. It's gonna be good. Hey Ben, you you just got engaged. My I did. Dude. I did. Uh, very exciting. Uh, so I'm gonna have my own big old wedding coming up here before too much longer. And Elijah, you and I are doing our thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, hey Doug, you got a job and you're moving somewhere. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, have already moved somewhere. <laughs> and and, and, and if you'd like Doug's uh, address, Rebecca you can Wingett. just listen to. Uh, the next couple seconds, and we will give it to you. Um, Let's it is uh, hey, 1600 uh, hey. uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, Washington, yep, D.C. Um, I don't know the zip code, but it should be really easy to find. You it just drive down Pennsylvania like, Avenue, and it's the big white house. I'm pretty sure the zip code is 1776. Hey, what did we watch this week? That's well, a great question, Elijah. It's a bit of a mystery, but I think if we put our heads together, we can figure it out. I leave for two weeks and we turn into utter chaos. I'm not I'm not disappointed. Um guys, this week we listened to or we we watched, we both li- listened and watched uh the 2019 smash hit Knives Out, directed by everyone's favorite director, Ryan Johnson, and starring, I'm gonna try to do all these in one breath, so <gasps> Ana de Armas, Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Christopher Plummer, Catherine Langford, Tony Collette, Don Johnson, Frank Oz, Jaden Martell, Keith Stanfield, Kay Collin, Rick... Dang it, I didn't do it all in one breath. Dang it. <laughs> you should it's be right. ashamed of yourself. That's it. That's it. There are more There are more actors, but I've... It's not worth it. I've disappointed them. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has a huge role in this movie as well. He does. He does. Like, if you if you somehow come out of this movie and you're like, where was Joseph Gordon-Levitt? 
honestly, shame on you. Yeah, were you even watching the movie? Right. Shame. Right. Uh, ratings wise, because I know we all like ratings. Uh, 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. 87% on JustWatch.com. And 92% on Google. Also, Ben, dude, how do you have issue? How do you have trouble finding the number value on Google reviews? When I like, it, search the review, it just shows the star rating. Because it comes up for me every single time. Okay, well, I, I don't know. Uh, but on Common Sense Media, uh, that has four stars out of five, which I think is a little I, low. But I'm being dead serious. I really do think that we should like email Common Sense Media and just be like, <laughs> hey, what's up? We rat on y'all all the time. Y'all want to do like a collab or something? <laughs> exactly like that. I'll, I'll draft the email later on tonight. Cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, this movie came out in 2019. Pretty, pretty popular movie. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't think it was nominated for... It was nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. It was nominated mm-hmm. for uh, Best Original Screenplay. Uh, I think it was nominated for Best Picture. It was not. Was it not? Okay. It was not. Um, I know 2019 is kind of a big year. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. So there were a few that it could have been nominated for that it, it wasn't. Uh, was it nominated yeah. for Best Score? Uh, because if it wasn't, that is criminal. Yeah, the score was good. That's the first thing. It about was this not. Movie it was not nominated that for score. The only thing it was nominated for was best original screenplay, and it was going up against 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Marriage Story, and uh, Parasite. <laughs> yeah, Parasite big, won. big that's, players. That's a right hard, big shocker. Real big players there. Yeah. That's a that's a hard one. Um, but uh, but. Ben, I know that you and I have seen this movie. Brandon, I know that you've seen this once before. Elijah, have Bro, you seen this movie before tonight? I wanted to see this movie from the when I saw the trailer. I was like, yep, got to see that. That looks great. And then you guys all saw it and you were like, Knives Out is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I was like, I got to see this. Never did until today. And I told y'all, because before we started, you were talking about how rewatchable it is. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go back onto Amazon Prime right now and watch it for the second time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I remember watching it for the first time um, and seeing them say exactly what happens with the crime like 20 minutes, 20 into, minutes the movie, into the movie. And it's just like, oh, is this a whodunit? Um, and then it yeah. keeps going for like another hour and a half. And Dude, it's just and like, it, it just keeps getting right, better. Right. Like, I. I will say I personally haven't decided what I'm giving this, but it's hard for me to find flaws in this movie. Like me too. I <laughs> I I think this is one of the few movies that like and and I said this to y'all earlier. This movie is one that every time I watch it, I immediately am just bombarded with the sense of just how good it is. Mm-hmm. Like it's one that I never get tired of watching. Uh, and and Brandon, I know you haven't seen it in a long time, but did it did it match your expectations from the last time you watched it, or uh, what? What what it was did. your thoughts it, going it, into this? It blew it out of the water because um, I honestly I started watching it and I really didn't remember what happened to it because I haven't <laughs> seen it since 
2019. I mean, that feels like 10 years ago. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't know that to you. It was about halfway in, then I remembered everything. But I was like, dang, this movie is really good. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so good, but also having a star-studded cast. I feel like most of the time a, a film that has such a great star-studded cast like that just relies on the cast. And it's like, oh, we're going to make our money back because of these people. Mm-hmm. But this movie is just like, we're going to make our money back despite of our cast. Because mm-hmm. it's just so good. Yeah. yeah usually when you see a movie this star-studded you kind of think it's not going to be good and right. and like and like they they did not say that like this cast was like an afterthought like they advertised this movie on the shoulders of its cast and like you you can watch the advertisements for this movie like jamie lee curtis front and center uh, Tony Collette front and center, Chris Evans front and center. But like you, Chris Evans fresh made... off of uh, advertising for Avengers: Infinity War, yeah, front and center. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Daniel Daniel Craig front and center. Ana de Armas, who is the absolute protagonist of this movie, mm-hmm. I think maybe has one second of screen time in the advertisement. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's what's so great about this movie is that it takes this huge cast of heavy hitters mm-hmm. and no it both doesn't focus solely on them and it also doesn't waste them. Like I think mm-hmm. everyone does exactly what they need to do in this movie. Uh, definitely. It does a great job of balancing their screen time uh, mm-hmm. to because a lot of times you can get these movies with this just star-studded cast and it feels like you have to like spend, well, we had to spend this much time with this person. We had to spend this much time with this person, but this like in nine's out, it just moves so seamlessly. And I mean, honestly, all credit for that goes to Ryan Johnson uh, wrote, directed, produced nine's out. And honestly, it is nothing short of a masterpiece. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of our boy, Rye J. Um, <laughs> Rye J? Yeah, Rye J. That, that's, just, his, that's his nickname. Just go with it. What, uh, what were you saying, Brandon? I wasn't saying anything. Oh, it's, uh, it's his street name, hmm. Rye J. Um, uh, I, he, I hear he has another street name, at least on Twitter. Uh, the... Um, uh, the toxic part of the star wars fan base uh likes to refer to him as uh the very clever name ruin johnson yeah 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 yeah. so Um, uh to to counter that uh ryan johnson wrote a character based off of them yeah give you a guess which one it is yeah uh i think i think me personally ryan johnson made the last jedi which i know ben and i both love uh i actually don't remember uh elijah i like it brandon i don't know your thoughts on the last jedi uh i've seen it but i can't tell you what happens in it okay good deal um so three out of four of us like it mm-hmm. uh which is not a popular opinion on the internet it's it's I not who you ask. i uh i had a conversation last night with uh with one of the students uh, that I work with and uh, he was adamant 
that Last Jedi was the worst movie in the Star Wars uh, franchise. Um, oh, bless his heart. And, you know, I think that Ryan Johnson saw all the hate they got for The Last Jedi. He took it, channeled it, used it, use your hatred. Um, <laughs> Darkness uh, rises. It I gives you focus. It. it gives you focus. Um, and he focused it into making one of the greatest whodunits in modern cinema. I agree. Um, like... I think I think that just kind of goes to show you that you don't mess with very talented screenwriters mm-hmm. and directors because they'll literally one up it by making one of the greatest movies in the last 10 years. And then they'll also take a character uh, and base it off of the toxic fan base. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. Which, uh, if you're interested, this is actually something that has been confirmed. Uh, Jaden Martell's character, Jacob Thromboli. Um, He's the little is, kid who's like the alt-right troll. Yes, uh, him <laughs> is uh, actually based off of the uh, interactions that he had with uh, the toxic Star Wars fans following the release of The Last Jedi. So that, wow. that's one of my favorite tidbits from this film. Um, yeah, this makes me smile. But yes, one of the, honestly... I personally haven't seen a whole lot of other whodunits that have come out in the last 10 years. So I feel pretty comfortable in saying that it's the best whodunit. I mean, I'll be, I'll be real with you. Years. I'll be real with you. Uh, I haven't either. Um, I don't I really mean, it's think it's got, a... what, Murder on the Orient Express that came out a couple years ago to compete with it? Oh, yeah, I never saw I guess. I never I saw. Guess. Uh, Maybe. But it's a remake and it's a story that everyone kind of knows. It's not original like this. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm comfortable saying that it is the best who done it in the last several years, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, Elijah kind of talked about this earlier, but one of the greatest things that this movie does to really subvert expectations is, like he said, it gives the twist away mm-hmm. in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And this is a two hour long movie, it's two hours and some change. And it just meets you up front with like, nah, let me tell you exactly how this happened. But because, go ahead. Well, it's not the only twist. There's, there's yeah. more to it. You think you've got the whole picture. You keep finding out more things. Mm-hmm. You, you see, you see, to quote the great Benoit Blanc, uh, what we have here is a donut. Well, it's a donut with a, with a hole a right in the middle. But you have what to do we, the, the audience, don't realize is that inside that hole is another donut altogether. With another and within hole that inside. donut is an even smaller hole, and that's what Ryan Johnson leaves us with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ryan Johnson audience. almost cut that entire uh, scene out of the movie, but it was Didn't Daniel it? Craig who said, "No, I can do this. You watch me," and he did it. In like one take, and Ryan Johnson was like, "Okay." Daniel Craig, I feel like, literally took this role, and he was like, "I think this is going to be a great movie, but I have no idea how this movie is going to be received, so I'm just going to have fun with it." Um, Absolutely. Uh, I was reading on uh, Imdba um, in the trivia for the movie. Um, the southern accent is supposed to be a subtle southern accent uh, originally oh, in the yes. screenplay. 
And then uh, he was a big fan of some uh, old style Southern accent, which is how he gets the famous, um, as uh, Ransom says in the movie, the CSI KFC uh, voice. This man should be sitting under a magnolia tree in Alabama, sipping (laughs) on lemonade. That's how Southern he is. You mean sipping on an Arnold Palmer. Nathaniel Crawford from that one episode (laughs) of The Office. (laughs) Yes. So I have some trivia for y'all. We were talking about recent whodunits. Mm -hmm. There's actually another one that came out in 2019 that I would say rivals this one. Really? Yeah. Can you guess what it is? Um, my first thought was Baby Driver, but, they, but I think Baby Driver came out the year before in 2018. Detective Pikachu. Ah, mm. how did I, how did I forget? Mm. Uh, the cinematic masterpiece that is oh, Detective wow. Pikachu. I was very disappointed in Detective Pikachu. <laughs> hey. I don't know if disappointed is the right word. Um, so. It's better than ho- Sonic. Ho- uh, honestly, I don't know that it was. Well, <laughs> but anyway, this, this isn't a podcast about Sonic. You can go back yeah. and listen to our thoughts about Sonic. We actually did a podcast <laughs> on that. Um, well, hold on, hold on, just a second, because I'm about to do some connecting. Uh, oh, that uh, that uh, y'all y'all are gonna be surprised about. Uh, let me let me find it real quick. Okay, so Detective Pikachu, which came out in 2019. Uh, stars a man by the name of Justice Smith. Now I want you to stay with me just a second. Now Justice Smith is a is a young actor, and he recently uh, was in a film which I also saw this year. Uh, it's a 2021 film. It was released on Amazon Prime, um, and uh, it is huh? How do I how do I put this? The single most insane film I have ever watched, and it's a whodunit, and it is called The Voyeurs. And y'all, I watched that movie maybe like three months ago, and I have not fully recovered from watching that movie. (laughs) I haven't, I don't know that I ever will. Uh, I can't recommend it, but also, I cannot recommend it enough. It is the single strangest, mind-trippiest movie I have ever watched. And the fact, the fact that the fact that Justice Smith was in a whodunit in 2019, which is also the year that Knives Out came out. I feel that that just means that the voyeurs and Knives Out and Detective Pikachu are in some in some strange way the perfect recent whodunit trifecta. That's not at all where I thought you were going. I thought you were where did say, you think I was going? Well, you started with Justice, Justice Smith. I thought you were going to say, well, he was in a film with this actor who was in a film or who was in Knives Out, which my immediate thought is, if you're going to go from Detective Pikachu, the clear train of thought is Ryan Reynolds was in Free Guy, uh, which has a brief cameo, uh, by a member of the cast of Knives Out, which I will not say if you've not seen Free Guy because it, 
that cameo is one of the best things of that movie. And I don't want to spoil it. You know what? You know what? That's a great point. Give me just a second because I'm about to go really insane. Okay. So Justice Smith was in Detective Pikachu. He was also in a film called The Voyeurs. The Voyeurs also stars a film, uh, also stars an actress named Sydney Sweeney, who, as we all know, has a starring role on the HBO show Euphoria. And Euphoria stars actress Zendaya, who plays a prominent role in the current uh, iteration of Spider-Man, including Spider-Man No Way Home, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming, as we all know, stars Tom Holland. Tom Holland was in Spider-Man Homecoming with Robert Downey Jr., who was in Captain America Civil War, which stars Chris Evans. Chris Evans, who just so happened... You know who else was in Captain America Civil War? (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't care. Tom Holland is Spider-Man. Yeah, I don't care. You're, you're adding in an extra step here. I know. Right? I okay. know. I know. And you know what? Just for that, I'm going to add in more, okay? <laughs> so Chris Evans, who was in Captain America Civil War, was also in a little-known film called, hold on a second, I've got to pull up Chris Evans' IMDb. Give me just like two yeah. seconds. Okay, well, while um, you're doing that, uh, oh, I'm so close to muting you so we can move on. Um <laughs> okay so as we all know chris evans was in the film <clears throat> was in the film fantastic four which was released in 2005 uh fantastic four of course stars uh who does what who does this movie star um it stars it sucks jessica it Alba. stars uh michael chiklis Michael Chiklis, as we all know, was in a film entitled Eagle Eye. You can go get a drink. Eagle Eye <laughs> stars Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf was in a film entitled uh, Holes. Holes stars Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver is in a film entitled... Was she in a film entitled? Um, she is in a film entitled galaxy quest which as we all know stars tim allen no excuse me which stars uh yeah, it does start tim allen i know it stars tim allen um but you know what else it stars it also stars rain uh-huh. wilson rain oh, yeah, wilson yeah. rain wilson was in a film entitled uh juno juno stars I'll be honest with you. Oh, is this going somewhere? I thought it was. Uh, I thought I could do that. Uh, on the Rain, fly. Rain Wilson was also in the office along with Nathaniel Crawbaddy or whatever the heck his name was, <laughs> who is basically in Knives Out. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, Rain Wilson was in the oh, office <laughs> along with. And who else was in the office, you may ask? Who else was in the office? John Krasinski. No, no, Steve hold Curry on. He was Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones was in Land the Plant, Doug. Was in <laughs> the show, The Social Network, which also starred Andrew Garfield. Yes, I know that. Shut up. <laughs> starred. Bring home, Doug. Brenda Song, who was in The Sweet Life on Deck. And I, I, I know a lot of people didn't know this. 
but the Sweet Life on Deck is owned by Disney. Disney, who also owns the Muppets. And in case you were curious, Frank Oz, who is in Knives <laughs> Out, played Fozzie Bear in The Muppets, baby. I'm done. Woo! All righty. Uh, you know, that had uh, that just as many twists and turns as this whole movie did. Um, and didn't Ryan Johnson do just a lovely job with the script, the direction? I beg of you. Doug, I don't know if you even had your headphones in here. It's too long to be the cut. Um, <laughs> way too long. Um, part of maybe it part be of the it. cut. Um, maybe part of it. Um, but yeah. Can't we Disney all agree also that Ryan Johnson Freaky just... Friday, who Jamie Lee Curtis is in? Yeah. Wait, who was in Freaky Friday? Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. I know that, but who was the You're person? Disney owns, owns it. Disney owns oh, it. As yeah, well. yeah. I know that there's another Disney version Disney. of uh, Freaky Friday that came out in the last couple of years. It's a musical. Did you know that Freaky Friday is a remake? <laughs> the original one is in German, and it came out in the fifties. Huh. It's a lot better. It's not in German. Um, but it did come out in the 70s and it stars uh, uh, Jodie Foster. Oh. No, that one is a remake of the one that came out. The original story is a German nursery rhyme. It's like a, it's like a story that came out and then they made it into a movie in the 50s. Trust me, well, I watched it in German class. It was actually really mm-hmm. good. Oh, all right. I bet it was not as good as Knives Out, though. It wasn't um, because I could understand everything in Knives Out that was said. <laughs> there you go. And Ryan Johnson really just did a great job. Um, I am also unashamedly a gigantic Ryan Johnson fan. Um, honestly, just a big fan. Um, I will say I first uh, found out like who he was, what he was doing uh, with The Last Jedi. Um, but kind of since then, I've started to kind of explore some of his other stuff, and incredible, incredible. I felt like that was leaning into like a into like a love letter to Ryan Johnson. Oh yes, Ryan Johnson. Been, I know you're listening to the like, podcast, and um, Ryan. Personally, I would love for you to uh, follow me back on Twitter, um, and uh, also come be a guest on the podcast. Uh, Ryan we can Johnson, talk about your I will favorite. Say movie. It. Ryan Johnson, I will say it right now. If you come on to this podcast and you be a guest on this podcast, I will on camera eat my shoe. Honestly, without any milk. (laughs) (laughs) You are a tough guy, aren't you? (laughs) But yeah, everything about this movie. um, Sorry, to get us back on track. Because uh, we went way off the rails. Um, everything welcome. about this movie is beautiful, from the music to the camera work, the acting, just everything just seems to work like perfectly together. The characters uh, are great. Yeah. The plot is so engaging. You can't fidget and idle on your phone while you're watching mm-hmm. this movie. You got to watch it. It's so yeah. good. So, and what I love, uh, especially, is Chris Evans' character. Um, because like when this movie was made, he was at the height of being Captain America, being the ultimate, the the universal symbol of niceness. Right. And he comes in and this was like in the previews is the eat shit. You eat shit, eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. That whole scene. And I'm just like, this is beautiful. 
because uh, it's not anything you would have ever expected. Um, well, unless you're like me and your introduction to Chris Evans was the aforementioned awful Fantastic Four movie in which well, case he also played a dip. Well, or he was if this was not my introduction to Chris Evans, but your introduction to Chris Evans could have also been Scott Pilgrim versus the world in which he was a piece of crap, or it could have been in nine other team movie in which he is also a piece of crap. He was also kind of a piece of crap in civil war too. (laughs) So really uh, his role is. So really this was more like a coming home uh, kind of movie for, (laughs) for Chris Evans, really like going back to form. (laughs) Chris Evans is just an awful person. I think that's what we're getting at. I don't. I don't think he actually is. Body media does not condone a, that message. Uh, from from what I've gathered, he's actually a lovely gentleman. But um, yeah, those guys who play jerks a lot, they just get it all out in character, and then they're super nice guys in real life, like Alan Rickman, who was in Galaxy also Quest. In Galaxy Quest, which also yeah, stars Sigourney. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the camera work? work? Wait, I think about the camera work. That's a great question, Ben. Um, so you know, recently Brandon said that he could understand everything that was said in Knives Out. I could understand everything that I saw in Knives Out. And one of the best things I think this movie does is it mixes up the camera movement um to really uh explain and explore the different emotions the characters are feeling because for the most part. This movie is shot like a traditional film. You know, you put the camera in one place and you leave it still if you need to swivel it. You swivel it a little bit. But what I, th- I really just want to talk about one scene in particular because there's an excellent scene right after they read the will and it's revealed that uh, Marta, Anadair Moss's character, um, has inherited all of this fortune. Uh, and the, and the, uh, the, the movie does a really great job of switching from that standard uh, stationary camera to a handheld style because all of a sudden you are all up in Marta's face. You are in the midst of all this confusion and insanity that's going on. And it really does a great job to accentuate just how stressful the situation is, just how much is hitting her at once. And we as the audience in turn feel that stress and we feel that that uh claustrophobia uh so i think i think the camera work in this though very subtle does a lot to to really highlight various points of the film yeah that was all i had to say about camera Uh, yeah honestly you say it's subtle i don't think it is very subtle like i think it's very intentional like what it's trying to do well um it's not, it's not like obnoxious. That's what you mean by subtle, right? right? It's not like... Yes, that's exactly what I meant. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not like a uh, like on-the-nose dizzying sort of like... It's not like Taken, in which everything is shot handheld, and it's shaky as all get out. Okay. And it works, but it also gives you a headache. It's nauseous. <laughs> also ben Apparently you said that like intentional is the opposite of subtle well uh, probably not the best word to describe it like it was 
I don't, I don't know. I, I personally didn't see it as subtle. I saw it. Was, I, I thought it was very direct what he was trying to do with that. They wanted it to be a bit of a gut punch. Right. But I mean, changing from one camera to another is kind of a subtle shift anyway. I mean, when I watch a movie, I don't think about what kind of camera they're using like Doug was, but I did feel what that scene wanted me to feel, you know? Well, well, I watched it again. Um, obviously we all watched it again tonight, Uh, but, but, uh, but I watched it and the, the reason that stuck out to me so much is because the start of that scene, like the start of that shot, it is stationary. Like it takes a mat for it to go to handheld. And when it does, like you feel the jerk, you see the jerk happen. Um, and I think that's why it stands out to me as subtle because it's like, it's luring you into this feeling of like, this is just going to be a normal scene. Nothing, nothing different is going to be happening here. But then all of a sudden you're back in it and you're, and you're in this claustrophobic point of view shot. I think one other thing that I really just love about this movie, we don't necessarily get to spend a lot of time with each individual character. Um, but the time that each character gets is used so well, you just kind of feel like you know all of them. Mm. Yeah, um, I love Jamie Lee Curtis so much as an actress. And I, w- I thought that to myself during the scene when they're interviewing her, because you can read the look on her face and hear the thing she's thinking you know what I mean like she says all the nice and polite things out loud for her first few minutes on screen but you can tell by the look on her face what she's thinking and like how frustrated she is with all these people you know um and you get a little sense of that um conceitedness that runs in the family (laughs) that you see from the other people too but the way she pulled those scenes off was so fun to watch and honestly I would say that a large majority of the cast does that really well. Like, I think this movie is incredibly smart in its subtleties. Uh, like, throughout the film, uh, different members of the family uh, say to Marta, yeah, I really wanted to invite you to the funeral, but I was outvoted. And, like, the first time you hear that, um, I think it actually is Jamie Lee Curtis's character that says it. Um, and it feels very sincere. And then another person says it, and you're just like, wait, what? And then it's said mm-hmm. again. And it's just like, Oh, Mm -hmm. and like, as the movie starts to unfold, you realize that they don't care about her. They don't care about um, Fran or any, as they're described in the movie, the help. Um, Yeah. It's just done incredibly well. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about that because we also never learn, do we, where Marta's actually from, where her family's from. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, Everybody constantly gets it wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe maybe one of them was actually correct. I mean, we hear... Yeah. But, but we you're hear, led to assume that that just not yeah. actually not. Nobody knows where she's from because nobody actually cares. But they yeah. keep saying, oh, she's part of the family. She's mm-hmm. part of the family. Um, they stop just short of calling her Mexican, which is the default, you know, uh, you know, American non-Hispanic folks who claim to care about Hispanic folks, but don't really, and just call them Mexican and don't bother to know where they're from. I mean, this movie doesn't quite, doesn't do it quite that on the nose, but that's what it's doing. These people don't know where she's from, don't know where her family's from, that is. And it's also kind of implied that 
she was born in the United States. Yeah. They, That's uh, her mother uh, came over to the United States from another country. But. Right. They, they do say she's a citizen and the troll kid calls her an anchor baby. So she was born here, um, but her family is uh, from a Spanish speaking country. At one point they say she's Brazilian. We know that's not true because they're speaking Spanish, right? <laughs> and that's Portuguese speaking. Right. Yeah. So they well, majority they just, Portuguese. They just don't care. Yeah. Um, they keep um, saying I, she's part of the family. I think one of the great things that this movie does is that you know it cleverly uses this dynamic of of we're going to look at this family that by all accounts is like quote unquote the American family like live the American dream, did all that good stuff, like, you know, made their fortune, self-made people. Um, and it uses that framework to really analyze uh, both class and societal mm -hmm. structures that are constantly being challenged as they deal with the aftermath of uh, Harlan Thrombey's death. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting that you specifically said self-made because that's a term yeah, that's quote, used unquote, in the movie. Um, and uh, I think it was, uh, I forget which child it is, but they start their own business with a million dollar loan from Harlan Thrombey. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Exactly. Yeah. So their family claims that they live by the pick yourself up by your bootstraps mm -hmm. mantra, but they inherited wealth, all of them. Well, no matter how self-made they think they are, they inherited a lot of wealth. They, they were just born into it. Mm -hmm. And that is America. That born house, into it or married into it. Or married uh, into yeah. it, right, yeah. yeah. Because, uh, even because you then, also have Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, husband. Mm -hmm. I mean, you also get this from Tony Collette, who I, I, I love was Tony more Collette thinking so Tony much. Collette's character. I love her so much, and I feel like she never actually gets like the recognition that she deserves. But I think, uh, what is it? Is it Ron Johnson uh, who plays Jamie Lee Curtis's husband who they straight up say he doesn't own anything. Like he mm -hmm. signed a prenup. Mm -hmm. Like he's literally only successful because of who he's married to. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, and it's one the thing same I, with Tony Collette. That's it. Another thing I love about his character specifically, it's a very subtle thing at the end, uh, but kind of on that last shot, uh, after Jamie Lee Curtis has read the note, you see that he has a black eye. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of implied that she kind of decks him. Which I, just, I love it. I don't know that it's implied so much as it's just like, yeah, she 100% decked him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I say implied because it doesn't directly show it. Yeah, that's fair. It's, um, it's hard to know if subtle is the right word for this movie, but it's very <laughs> effective. <coughs> yeah. yeah. I don't definitely. know that it is subtle. Which I will say, I... So one of the most interesting thing about things about this movie is that uh, obviously it came out in 2019 and listeners, for those of you who don't know, uh, Ben and I met up shortly after the start of 2020, shortly after New Year's, and we sat down and we discussed what the best movies of each year for the decade were. Now, at the time, at the time, I said that Dr. Sleep was the best movie of 2019 mm -hmm. i oh, i would say now i do think that i think that uh knives out is better um but at the time i was thinking of three movies i was thinking of knives out dr sleep 
and another film that we haven't talked about, Ready or Not, as a possible contender for the best movie of 2019. And something that Ray or Not and Knives Out both have in common is they talk about, they touch on those uh, class dynamics and those societal shifts uh, within like model American families. Um, Knives Out, it's much more of a class thing. Uh, n- excuse me, Ray or Not, it's much more just classism. Uh, Knives Out, it's obviously classist, but it's also social, ethnic, racist. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the the estate where most of the action happens looks like America because it's run by these wealthy white folks who say they, they're self-made. They pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, but most of their wealth is inherited. Uh, I, they, think, I think one of the funniest lines in the movie is when... Uh, ransom chris evans's character says says you think you're gonna take our home our ancestral home from us and daniel craig is just like uh dude he harlan bought this place back in the 70s you're right right from a pakistani medic or something yeah so the the whole thing looks like the united states you know and and it's these white folks who keep saying that marta is she's like a part of the family and we want to make sure she's taken care of. No, they don't. They're just saying the right thing Mm -hmm. to put a good face on it. But when the chips are down, they don't care about her. And they, they explicitly say in the movie, some of the characters do now they argue about it and I'll come back to that. But some of the characters make a big point to talk about how immigrants are coming to take our way of life and our way of life is at stake. That's what they're afraid of. And Marta gives it to them. That last scene when she's standing over them drinking out of the mug that says my house, my rules or whatever. Mm-hmm. My, such, my, how the turn, how the turn tables. That's such a kiss of death scene. I, I laughed out loud. Uh, there were several scenes in this movie that made me laugh out loud. Most of them involving great Nana because she was hilarious. <laughs> but the, yeah, all that stuff really, I mean, that was good. The argument they have halfway through the movie about some of the stuff going on in the Trump administration um, when they end up pulling Marta in as like an example, it, it was such a gross scene, um, but just so American in the worst way. And to be clear, I love my country, but it was American in the worst way. Mm-hmm. And the way the movie ends, that last shot is just the perfect bow on it. Yep. So, so Doug, I have a know, question for you. Sure, um, sure. You describe this as the perfect Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. Tell me about that. So I, I actually talked about this uh, last weekend with Brandon because uh, we, we were getting ready to, to talk about this movie. Um, and part of it is because I saw this movie for the first time like over Thanksgiving uh, when I originally came out. But I think this is a movie that just screams Thanksgiving. And I think it's so perfect that, you know, we're discussing this the week of Thanksgiving. Right. Um, because, you know, and I've, I've tried to wrap my head around why I feel that way. But I think what it comes down to is the colors. I love the warm fall colors that are present throughout the entire thing. Um, I love the sense of... I love the fact that it takes this whole, 
this is a very close knit family, but we're going to break them apart. Cause I feel like that's often what happens in Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. People start, people come to, to dinner, like, you know, really close knit and together. And then somebody says something and it gets a lot of people mad. And then everyone just kind of leaves like, oh, fine. Someone always brings up politics. Yeah. Right. Someone always, someone always stirs the pot and gets, gets everyone going. Um, and I just think that this movie, I think that this movie accurately captures the way most families are on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting how often they point out in the movie that certain family members like to start drama in front of everyone because they like the attention, you know? Yeah. They say that about a few family members, including Harlan, even. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I think it's I think it's the perfect Christmas movie. And I know that we've done an episode. Oh, did I say Christmas? Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving movie. And I know we've talked about another movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is like the only movie I can think of that's like made for Thanksgiving. But I just think that this more accurately <laughs> represents what Thanksgiving is. I think. So what I'm saying is, listeners, if you want the perfect double feature to have on Thanksgiving with your family, uh, you start with the good stuff. You start with the planes, trains, and automobiles, and then you end it with the nice dose of reality that is Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. And then you add the cherry on top and listen to Alice's Restaurant. I don't have a connection to Alice's Restaurant, but I do have a connection for the first two. Uh, Knives Out almost had a similar scene to the scene in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles that makes it rated R. Uh, mm. The scene where um, Chris Evans uh, tells pretty much everyone in his family to uh, eat shit uh, originally was going to be F-U, 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 and so on and so forth. Similar to the 18 question mark times. Uh, uh, 17. The, 17. I was uh, 17 times that the F-bomb is dropped in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in a single scene. One scene and one scene. Steve Hello. Martin. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's what Thanksgiving is. An R-rated movie. Steve Martin cussing <laughs> somebody out in an airport. Yep. yep, that's it. That sums up Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, well, I think it's time to no, no. Okay, well then, thanks. Ben, you know what? I'm done. We'll do it live. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to score the sucker. Yeah. So let's go first. Uh, I can, I can. So I said originally that, uh, I said that, uh, that the best movie of 2019 to come out was Dr. Sleep. Uh, and I said that that's not the case anymore. I do believe that Knives Out is better than Dr. Sleep. Well, I looked at my top 20 list and Dr. Sleep was on there. And I thought, I think Knives Out deserves that spot. But not only that, I decided to move it up a little bit. And I'm not joking. Knives Out now falls right below Galaxy Quest on my list of the top 20 movie of my top 20 favorite movies of all time at number 14. I'm going to give this movie a 92. I think it is a fantastic movie from, from start to finish. I honestly cannot think of any part of it that i'm just like okay i wish we would get through this or anything like that i came into this movie tonight 
expecting to like half watch it and like half pay attention and it sucked me in it sucked me in within like five minutes Mm -hmm. and i could not take my eyes off of it so yeah 92 great movie if there was any part of this movie that i wasn't super thrilled with it was the very last part of the climax that involved vomit and a prop knife um i i'm not saying i didn't like it but it was my least favorite part of the movie. Um, I felt like it was maybe slightly less than ideal. And that's the only part of the movie that I could say I think was maybe slightly less than ideal because this movie's phenomenal. Um, I, I think I'm going to say 23. I, I said 23. I'm so sorry. I meant 93. <laughs> 93. There you have it, folks. 23 <laughs> for Knives Out. This was a phenomenal movie. Send your hate mail to him. This is a phenomenal movie. I'm going to give it a 23 out of 100. Yeah, I meant 93. Um, I just don't want to give it like too high of an A, but at the same time, it's such a good movie. Yeah, Yeah. I'm just going to, yeah. Yeah, I think this movie is like, I mean, I don't watch many movies, but this is definitely one of the best movies I've ever seen. I I truly believe that it's going to go down as like a classic out of our generation that being like late millennials, early Gen Z, that movie, that time frame, I think it's going to be like one of the best movies to ever come out because it's not like how you have like Clue, which is like one of the most famous whodunits where Clue is just really campy and just really cheesy, but also it's like cultish, but it's, it's so good. But this, it doesn't have any of that campiness or anything that Clue has. It's like, there's nothing that you can say definitively that this is not one of the best movies ever. Because it's just, everything's great about it. The score, the acting, the the lineup of actors, like the plot. I mean, yeah, the climax there with the prop knife, they probably could have thought it that out a little bit more but I feel like they put so much thought into the rest of the movie that, I mean, it's, it's just so good. So I'm probably going to give it, I'm going to give it like a 96. So I've, I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm sitting here racking my brain because I think it would be a, an interesting precedent to set to give it the score that I want to give it. Dang. Do it. Okay. But I'm having a tough time figuring out a reason why I shouldn't. To, Do to it. quote Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> Do it. Do it. So, um, oh, geez. It's the second time I get to do uh, for the first time. Wow. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. I will say it. I, I think this is a perfect movie. I'm going to give this a hundred. Mm. Wow. Um, wow. I mean, y'all talk about wow. coming, y'all, coming y'all talk about here. the ending being something less than ideal. I think it's perfect. Like I because it's not what you expect. You think, oh well, they're just gonna take him away. That'll be the end of it. But like the twist of like having her get through that one lie that she tells the entire movie, she's able to hold it long enough, just long enough to get him to confess everything, and then him being like. Well, okay, I guess I'll take uh, in for a penny and for a pound. Grab the knife, which earlier in the movie, um, Harlan Thrombey said something along the lines of, 
essentially like he's an idiot. He doesn't know the difference between a real knife and a prop knife coming back to that line, him grabbing the knife as that's a prop knife and going for it. And then just like the moment of them falling down you think, Holy crap. Did Chris Evans, like did ransom just kill her? And then the realization that like everyone has at the same time, it's like, no, it just is beautiful and wonderful how everything works together. And what blows my mind the most with this movie is just how rewatchable this is. Cause I mean, you think of who done it. It's like, Oh yeah, I know who did it. So I don't, it's not really going to be that. Re- no, like this is an incredibly rewatchable movie. Uh, Elijah said, when we started this, like we, he, we just finished it. And he's ready to hop back on Amazon prime and watch it right now. Like, yep. It's, it was not an easy decision to give this a hundred, but honestly, I think it deserves it. So I am. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, let's get the fanfare going in yeah. here, folks. <laughs> let's have the, the trumpets blaring. And Tristan isn't even here to, to see. There's it. confetti flying all over the studio right Ooh. now. We see? are elated. And here comes the cake that Tristan's bringing in with 100 cables well, on it. Hi, I got your cake. <laughs> I'm Tristan. Wow. Uh, but yeah, uh, after plugging all that into our patented scoreometer, uh, we get a final score of a 95.25, and I can live with that. That's a quality fit. So basically, what we're saying is that if you're not watching Knives Out right now, stop what you're doing. Put mm-hmm. down the knives, put down the turkey, <coughs> and rush into your living room and watch knives out yeah pretty much and get ready for the sequel that's coming on netflix one day one day it's coming all right uh well you know ben we broke we broke all kinds of all kinds of records today we gave well you gave the first 100 on this Mm -hmm. podcast this week's after uh, giving the first one yeah, 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 yeah. And Crazy. I don't believe that next week we're gonna get anywhere close to 100. I've never even seen the movie before. Me neither. But, uh, but I know Sean Connery's in it. Um, that's More that's literally all I know. Uh, because next week, y'all, we are watching Highlander. Hmm. I know nothing about this movie. Me neither. It's got Clancy Brown in it. Hey, I love Clancy Brown. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, it's scored well on IMDb. So okay, not well on Metacritic, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, hey, uh, that'll be like uh, next week. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, be sure to keep up with us on social media. All the cool stuff we're doing at Viter Media. Uh, we've got new episodes of Setting the Skein every Wednesday, and new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night. Uh, Doug, I think you also have something new that's coming. It's not technically Viter Media related, but still pretty cool. It's not Viral Media. Uh, honestly, right off the top of my head, I can't even think of the name of the podcast, but I'm about to start hosting a live podcast uh, every Tuesday night. Uh, it's 8 o'clock my time, so it would be 9 p.m. Eastern Standard. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's a live podcast, so like I'll be interacting with folks, uh, and I'll it'll be kind of like D&D-esque, uh, and we'll just be telling stories, having a good time. Mm-hmm. Well, that is exciting. Uh, where can the good people find that, Doug? Uh, it's going to be on spoon.com. Spoon. Never heard of it. Yeah. 
but I'm excited for you. Yeah, I will definitely thanks. be checking that out. Thanks. Um, yeah, be sure to join us for Highlander next week. Uh, probably will not receive quite as high of a score, but hopefully um, we'll have just as much fun talking about it. Uh, but yeah, until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. I'm Brandon. And this has been Setting the Scheme. You all have a wonderful week. Thank you.